Now entering Nerdist.com. Today's episode was recorded at ATX Television Fest. Were you there? It was the best, right? Were you not there? Why weren't you there? Season 6 badges are now on sale. That's for next year. You don't want to miss this. They've already got some amazing things cooking. Go to ATXFestival.com. Get your Season 6 badges there. Uh, Also, they're putting up uh, videos versions of all of the podcasts that I'll be releasing and all of the panels and stuff, uh, some that I won't be releasing. Go to atelevisionexperience.com, atelevisionexperience.com, and you can see the video version of this and uh, many other panels and events that happened at ATX this year. Hope to see you in 2017. Henry Goldblatt. I'm the editor of Entertainment Weekly. Thank you so much for coming. And aside from being the editor of Entertainment Weekly, I am a huge political junkie. And so it is very, very exciting for me to be hosting this panel. Um, With three pros, I want to introduce to my right Rosemary Rodriguez, who's the director of some of the best shows on television, including The Good Wife, Jessica Jones, and an upcoming episode, a couple on Walking Dead, perhaps? Yeah. We're breaking some news here. <laughs> Great. Uh, next up is Kevin Falls, who was a writer on The West Wing, um, the creator of um, an EP on Journeyman, and the um, creator of Franklin and Bash. Kevin, welcome. <laughs> and lastly, we have Brian Seabury, who's the SVP of Drama Development at CBS. Kevin, I want to start with you. Okay. Can I pick on you first? Sure, go. Absolutely great. I want to know. Um, I want to know what kind of research goes into developing a political drama. Does it? Do you mine a lot from the real world, or is it all just sort of um, coming out fictionally? Well, with um, the West Wing, of course, I didn't write. Oh, hi, Beth. I didn't. Um, I didn't, of course, write the West Wing. When, um, I'm not capable of it. Uh, but but I know on, in, on when we were on series, we had we had a researcher. We we had um, political consultants like Dee Dee Myers and Gene Sperling and uh, Marlon Fitzwater, and they really had, they we would call them at all hours and they would turn around memos and things like that. But you had to steep yourself in the world. Google actually was just getting traction. In fact, we were the first person to use Google as a verb. I think Don, Josh as a Don, I Googled you, or vice versa, and uh, we got all this swag. So um, <laughs> so we. Uh, it's just all about, yeah, we had a, we had a full-time researcher and, um, and consultants. Um, Brian, what do you think the viewers are looking for in their on-screen um, politicos? Do you think they're looking for idealism, escapism, to be educated? Uh, gosh, I guess I'd say yes to all, right? I mean, I think, uh, I mean, I'm a viewer also, so I think I'm just sitting down wanting to be entertained, but that can come in any number of, of, of ways. So if I'm seeing great drama and I'm being educated and you know I think I, I would just say yes yeah, yeah, yes to all when they're really kind of firing on, on all cylinders how about you Rosemary yeah, well I, you know I'm one of those people that I'm a movie and TV lover right so I'm one of those people that you know when people are around and they're like well, we're not curing cancer here you know like you hear that stuff <laughs> I, I actually get upset by that because I actually feel like, you know, it's our job to tell stories, to affect people's lives and, you know, when you can entertain and have something, you know, that's real that people can learn about their own lives, whether it's emotionally or intellectually, I think that's like a score and that's that's what we do. Um, having spent so much time on The Good Wife, what was your favorite political storyline through the show? Well, you know, last night I was like, I went and I was like looking through because there's so many. I mean, the gift of The Good Wife was like reading the scripts and then finishing it, you know, from the first draft and then getting on the computer and Googling like, you know, drones and this, that, and like, you know, blue ribbon panels and like all this stuff. And then, like, realizing again that, wow, this is so cool. Like, I can get in and explore this and then tell the story that, like, makes it so all that stuff goes down easy. 
You know what I mean? Brian, how about you? What was um, uh, overseeing The Good Wife? What was your favorite? Um, you know, I got to be clear on this. I, my ins- any insights into The Good Wife would be the same as, as a TV fan. You know, I, I could speak to what the, what the pitch was like, you know, Robert and Michelle's passion for the character, um, you know, a little bit of a roadmap that they that they had, but you know, it's not like in the pitch they were like, and then Alicia will run for state's attorney. You know, that 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 doesn't happen in the room that I'm sitting in. But uh, it is a great pleasure when you get to develop a show and then you sit down with your wife every week and, and watch it, and you just you turn into a fan. You know, there's a an entirely other department who really oversees it and is into like the the nuts and bolts. But I mean, I was just on my couch on Sundays watching. So and. Do we have a lot of good wife fans in here? Um, Kevin, what show um, right now do you think is handling politics the best? Well, it's gosh, I mean, I've enjoyed the shows. I'm not going to I'm not going to pick my favorite children. I know that's weird. It's a hard time to do to do politics because real politics has jumped the shark. So, so yeah, it's it's hard to do. So you can go at it like a veep and be funny. Uh, you can you can go darker with House of Cards. Um, but I, I th- in the Madam Secretary, which t- goes outside the White House, and that was always with Western. We always stayed in the White House, but they actually dramatized a lot of their stories outside it. Um, I'm, I'm just, I can't, I can't pick a favorite except for I enjoy them all. How's that for being diplomatic? That's okay. I'm going to put Rosemary on the spot and ask the same question, though. Well, I mean, I, I, I you know, I would, I would miss The Good Wife for that reason very much. I mean, you know, I, I'm thinking about some of the episodes that, you know, again, when you get great scripts, you're like, it's very inspiring. So there was one um, where Alicia was, like, getting involved and, in, like, you know, stepping up her game in politics and... And then, you know, it was called Winning Ugly, and then she ends up getting really screwed at the end. Like, it's, like, raw. Like, she gets eviscerated, you know what I mean? And, and she ends up at the end of the episode. But, you know, we found, like, a great location, like, you know, where we got to have, like, this great architecture and the history. And you felt the weight of, like, the, the politics and the institutions of politics, like, weighing on her the whole time, which I guess you probably got to do in West Wing all the time. Mm-hmm. We just didn't get to do it very often on The Good Wife, to that degree. And I, and I should, I, I didn't include The Good Wife, which, by the way, is a, is a fabulous show. It's yeah. funny, I don't, you, when you first saw it, the first you didn't think of it that way, but it, it certainly morphed into that. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> you were very clear that that's your favorite. <laughs> Brian, how about you? It's beautifully executed. Well, Madam Secretary, obviously, Um, (laughs) company man. Uh, No, I'm glad, um, you know, again, for my purposes, you know, we're not, and again, I was just there for the pitch, and and it has taken on its own life. Um, But I guess what I I love, again, is their ability to insert the personal drama and then what's going on in her work life and then her husband's work life. I think Barbara Hall has done an incredible job of making all, to going to each of those places either individually for drama or how they constantly are colliding in on themselves. So the the personal you, when you're on a personal story in Madam Secretary, you're never you're never far away from her work stories and 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 vice versa. She Barbara's done an incredible job of of having either one inform the other or one really get in the in the way of the other, which I think we saw in the. You know, in the, in the storyline that happened in the, at the end of this past season, so it's that that that's great political TV and just TV for me. I mean, I had a really interesting experience. Um, I went and did a Law and Order SVU. They're a really nice group of people. Warren Light is really a great writer and a great guy. I love him, so I'll always show up for him. And I had a really interesting script, which was not your like typical. It wasn't like a crime of the week kind of thing. And what it was is it was sort of Warren's way of like processing something that happened in our industry to another director. And in the script, it was amongst their own, like amongst the, um, you know, this key political advisor was caught with child pornography. And then it was all, the whole episode was about how it affected all of the players, having someone that you work with in that situation. And it was just so interesting because we had all experienced it in real life. And then to have to, like, it was just odd but interesting. And it really 
created a lot of communication about something you don't you really talk about with with your coworkers. So that was like really fascinating experience, I have to say. I do want to talk about real life for just a bit because um, it's hard to separate the fiction from what's going on on t- um, what's going on in the real world. Um, Kevin, shows like Veep and West Wing have been cr- created entirely fictional universes where the good wife has woven in some real-life politicians like Hillary Clinton and what have you. Mm-hmm. As a storyteller, what do you see as the advantages and drawbacks of each approach? Well, uh, on, on the West Wing, we, we didn't use any real characters. I think the, f- the only president we referenced was Dwight Eisenhower. And we, we did reference the Kennedy Center, but it, we always called it the George Kennedy Center. <laughs> Because Aaron didn't want the real uh, players to bump you. Gonna say, hey, where, where are we? Uh, in fact, I remember he used Jay Leno in the first season in a trip to Hollywood. And he regretted it, not because Jay did a bad job. It was just like it reminded the audience of like, oh, this is, this is, this is happening now. So we, we, we steered um, clear of that. I'm, I'm doing a show now called Pitch, which is about a female baseball pitcher. With Major League Baseball. Oh, thank you. On Fox, thank you. Um, <laughs> but, but Dan Fogelman, who co-created the show, wants those, those characters because he just he feels like our, our team, which is all fictional, should, should mingle in those. But I kind, of, um, I kind of feel like it should be a parallel universe. No one should puncture it because I think sometimes it can be distracting, but that's just me. Rosemary, on The Good Wife um, this season, they had Hillary Clinton. They had... Um, um, Peter Flora competing against Hillary Clinton. And what was that like? What was that like being on set, like and reading those scripts? And um... I, I tend to feel. I mean, I tend to feel the way you do. I kind of think it's kind of weird. Like I did an episode with Donna Brazil, and you know, sometimes the mayor would show up, like different people, and it it does kind of make it odd for some reason. It just takes you out of this world that you're kind of diving into this fictional world that you love. And it brings an odd taste. It's like when you're eating something and all of a sudden you're not eating what you thought it was. It's kind of odd. You know, when you take a drink of orange juice and there's champagne in it or something, you're like, this isn't quite right. So that's honestly how I feel about it. But the more you drink, it ends up feeling better. It could be. But then I'd probably go down to Washington and hang out there and it would be a lot of fun, you know. Um, Brian, when you're getting pitched these types of shows, is it something like, would it, is it a deter- deterrent if it took place in the real world? Um, do you agree with these guys, or do you feel that, um, or do you feel like that some of that can work sometimes? Uh, it hasn't come up in a pitch, you know, something like Madeleine Albright being on Madam Secretary happened, you know, just, I, I don't know how it happened, but it, but, it, but it happened, and it certainly wasn't anything that was in the pitch. I, uh, I don't know, I can't think of an instance where I'm sitting listening to a pitch and they and they tell me that r- real people will definitively be coming through. I mean, I think we're tending to listen to their fictional story. Um, if there's real-life influences or, or, you know, some somebody in real life was part of the germ of the idea, that that's great. That happens all the time. But that person appearing, um, I don't know, hasn't come up in, in my rooms. I have a good Madeleine Albright story. Lay it on us now, please. This is, this is the forum. Well, it's not great, but I, now I'm starting to wonder if she just like circles the lot looking to get on TV. When we, yeah, exactly. When, she, when we were shooting the, the West Wing, the, I think it was the first or second year, because we would shoot occasionally in, in Washington, and she approached the barricades and tried to talk to the director and go, how come you, at the time she was Secretary of State, how come you don't do more stories about the Secretary of State? <laughs> Oh, it's good to know she finally made it. <laughs> no, but I do think, I think that's sometimes how it happens. Somebody hears, like an EP, somebody hears the creator something that, oh, so-and-so watches the show, or they read it in an interview. And that's, then it becomes like a thing of like, how do we get that person in the show? But I just realized why I think it kind of is odd to me is because, well, I'm a director, and I'm used to directing actors. And when you have a real person... I mean, it's really challenging. So that's probably really what it is. It makes my job harder. That's um, all. <laughs> you can either name some names or not name some names or view it as a blind item. But like, what was the most awkward real person directing experience that you've had? Well, I guess Donna Brazil stuck out in my head only because she's so awesome and I love her. And she was like a huge fan of the show. Like she said, every Sunday, like her girlfriend, like they all get together like religiously. And the thing is, but what was crazy was she was so nervous. And she would run lines with anyone that would run lines, like for like six hours before her scene. <laughs> she would not stop. And she still couldn't relax in the lines. <laughs> but she's awesome. Um, Kevin, was there ever a script or plot that you wrote that you're like, oh my God, I'm psychic because of the real life events that followed? 
not personally uh, on that on that show, um, uh, but I do know that when we were writing the show, there would be real events, like uh, usually usually involving a Supreme Court justice. I think there was one that went viral a couple of years ago, when Scalia not a couple of years ago last year when Scalia died. Um, that there was something, and not in my not in my. I was there for the two, three, and four. And I think something happened after that, but they did an episode. But there was times where, yes, we also did, but we did like government shutdowns and budget crises. And I, either we were ahead of it, the curve, or behind it, because just all that stuff happens every six years. Mm-hmm. So it depends on, uh, on what opinion you have about that. What type of, um, in looking at the landscape of D.C., what type of fodder do you feel like makes the best, what makes the best drama? Well, besides the obvious, which is conflict. Um... You know, you can, I think, and then when I mentioned that politics has jumped the shark, I think if, but put it this way, if, I was doing, if we were doing this show now, it would, be, it would be more of a challenge. So you, you just want to take the smarter argument. Like, it's easy to go after somebody like a Trump uh, as, a, as a, an adversary. But I think Aaron, and I know the staff, liked the thrust and parry of smart characters on both sides because it just was more interesting. Uh-huh. That way, so you just want you want the, the strongest, smartest conflict. So that's the that's the that's the thing we'd always go for. No matter that would apply to any anything in television. Are there plot lines that um, were rejected because they were just too wonky? No, actually, it, it goes the other way. Aaron loved the wonk, and he he like we did the show on the, the census and managed to to dramatize that. He, he just thought that was great, and so one time. Um, my 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 ideas were always stu- stupid because I wasn't didn't come from world politics. I would say like, "Hey, so President Bartlett got shot. So when's he gonna have sex?" <laughs> and so and, and Aaron would actually want to throw me out and go, "You know what? Let's do that. We can make that work." But I remember one time going in with Eli Addy, and and we, we said, "So." We want to do a show on the super colliding superconductor. He goes, I don't want to hear the next sentence. We're doing this. <laughs> and so it was the opposite. There was nothing too wonky. Um, and sometimes it you know, wasn't as interesting. How about Rosemary, when you're reading through scripts and you're praying to direct, is there anything that you, same question, like is there stuff that seems so wonky, you're like how are, we, how are we going to get this on screen? I think no. I think sometimes, um, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I know that feeling, so I know it's happened to me. But, but what came to my mind when Kevin was talking was, was having this episode where um, Anika Nani Rose's character was um, going to be running for, I don't know, district attorney or something against Peter or something. And, um, and I actually felt like it was just too mellow. So I remember it was they were trying to take her down, and Eli was plotting, and somehow they were... Gonna, they, it was because she was she's African American. She her husband's white in the show, and so somehow it was about seeing her kissing him or something. And I, do you remember that? And I was like, it was just kind of like I was like, but it's Chicago. Who cares that they're kissing and they're married? Like I don't get it. So I went to the this is ridiculous. So I went to like the graphic artist. Lyle and I was like, Lyle, let's just come up with some campaign that they do and we'll just throw it at Robert, right? So, I mean, I took it as far. I mean, I put her in a Ku Klux Klan thing and they were going to put flyers out with her. Like, it was like ridiculous. But I was just trying to make a point, you know what I mean? And I remember sitting in like the tone meeting or something and like taking it out and showing Robert. I thought he was going to fall off the chair. He was like, that's not what we're going for. Okay. <laughs> and Robert, of course, is Robert King, uh, who yes. was Michelle King, created yes. The Good Wife. Who are brilliant writers, yes. Terrific, terrific writer. Yeah. Um, Brian, as a fan, are you, as you're watching this stuff, is there stuff that's like, how did this get through? It's too wonky? <laughs> no, I think if I'm watching... I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm again, I'm just looking for great dramatic storytelling, and that can come from any number of places. So, yeah, if Aaron Sorkin can make the census <laughs> dramatic and, and, and gripping, then I don't know. I'm, I'm there. But, again, I think I'm there for the episode for uh, kind of myriad reasons. Um, so you've heard it, heard it here first. If you're looking to pitch a drama to CBS, it should be about the census. The census. The census. Bring, it. <laughs> Bring your census show. <laughs> um, um, Rosemary, I wanted to ask you, what type of visual and aesthetic qualities should a political series have? Well, you know, I'm, I always, um, every time I get a script, I have to kind of like start doing research and like usually it involves looking at movies or stuff like that. And so 
you know, for me, it's just when it's about an institution or it's, it depends on what the script's about, really. But um, you just kind of pick a motif and kind of like just run with it, you know, whatever it is. I mean, whether it's about like 3D printing of guns, you know, then you've got like a technology thing or again, like I said, like the, the architecture, it depends on what the story is. But that's like the first, you know, I'll read it through for the story, figure that out, and then that's the next step is then start doing that kind of research. Was there any type of mood board or anything on The Good Wife that you knew that you sort of had a visual aesthetic of any time? Not really. I mean, not really. I can't recall in the beginning, you know, first season. I mean, it's just a very classic sort of show, and, and, and it also evolves over the seasons. It changed, you know, in some odd ways sometimes I felt that it changed a little bit. You know, the editing changed. It just it just got different, and um, I missed the sort of earlier versions of it, you know what I mean? Um, the aesthetic changed. But I, but I think, um, yeah, no, I think, you know, I did 18 episodes, so there was so much, there's so many stories in there to tell about. On The Good Wife, I was, yeah. there's this shot that Charles McDougall did in the pilot, where she's watching Peter and she focuses in on the lint. And focusing in on the lint was in the pitch, mm. which not a lot of people know. But as they were talking about from Alicia's point of view, as her whole world is kind of, you know, about to crash or is crashing down around her, mm. you know, that was something that Robert and Michelle came up with for what that would be like so for her standing brilliant. behind there. And so it was great in the pitch. And then Charles hit it out of the park. and it's so brilliant. Julianne also had a thing where she did where she was, um, she would like just sort of straighten her like that. Like she had this gesture that she came up with too that she carried every season into the last episode. Where even after that slap, she just like tried, like just did that little tug and walked on. I was like, it's awesome. I mean. And does somebody tell you that she has that before you direct your first episode or you no. just notice it or well I just yeah just I mean it from I just noticed she was doing That's it cool. so I don't know I'm not sure um, aside from the lint what is the what is the detail that sticks out from a political pitch that you've heard that you're like wow that's um, very very memorable um, you know, the to go back to the Kings or to stick with the Kings, they their pitch for Brain Dead, which premieres on Monday on CBS. Oh, we're going to be talking about Brain Dead in a few. <laughs> um, you know, their their pit, and I'm not going to get into specifics because um, I, I want it to kind of you know unfold as as they would want. But but it was two years ago that they pitched it, and it was they you know it was just Robert and Michelle saying, you know, Washington's crazy. Why is it crazy? Let's let's tell a story about why fictionally we we think it's crazy. Here's what we think is going on, and uh, you know they decided to go horror horror comedy, and uh, <laughs> and you know we've seen several episodes, and it's it's great and brilliant, and and I can't wait for it's my favorite uh, political show, <laughs> horror horror comedy, yeah yeah, um, but anyway. Um, Kevin, when you told people that you worked at the West, um, worked for the West Wing at cocktail parties, um, would they pitch you ideas? And if so, were there any that were memorable? Um, first of all, they, you get pitched at Thanksgiving mostly by family members <laughs> uh, on any show that you're working on, right? Uh, you know, no. What, what I get mostly now is, oh, this would have been great for the West Wing. Oh, you could have done this and that, and now it's really up to these, these other shows to, to do it. But no, I, I, I didn't... I'm sure I did, but I'm just Apple and forgot. Um, what was the strangest fan f- feedback you've received over the years? You know, Aaron wrote almost every... Every, every show went through his, his, um, his computer, and in the third season... I wrote a bunch of... I co-wrote a bunch, and then... Um, and then by the fourth season, Aaron started to trust me. <laughs> and Eli Addy and, and I wrote this, this episode called uh, Swiss Diplomacy. And it was the, Aaron liked it so much and did so little to it. He says, you know what, I'm, this is yours. I'm not putting my name on it. So this was just the, the advent of a lot of the message boards. But Aaron used to always go on to television without pity, I think it was called then, and, uh, and would come in every morning. Like, he was just amazed by this, and people just would write about it the next day. So, so we, our show aired, and I'll never forget, we went on the message board, and there was hundreds of comments, but the first one in capital letters was, what the fuck was that? <laughs> oh. 
Well, and I remember they were just rallying around their boy, you know, because because you know, it was Aaron and they worshipped worshipped Aaron, and then they um, they started to highlight certain lines that they hated that were, were some of the lines that Aaron wrote. Oh, <laughs> and by the way, they were great. It was just more like they were just very defensive of of of, of Aaron. So will you remind that folks was the strangest people. Will you remind folks what that episode was about? Uh, it was Swiss diplomacy. Oh, I don't have to tell them. They know. <laughs> Swiss diplomacy was about this. Um, the the uh, one of the, the clerics in Iran wanted his son to have a heart transplant, I believe, and then the the, the best hospitals did that were in the United States. But there's no diplomatic relations between uh, the United States and Iran, and so they went to the Swiss, and so the Swiss had to be the ones that broke it. It was actually, I, I will say, it was kind of an interesting episode. I liked it. We're all going to go binge that right book. now. Pardon me? We're all going to go binge that right now. I regret saying, what the fuck was that on the message board? (laughs) (laughs) Language. (laughs) Um, Brian, how often are you hearing political pitches these days? Hmm. How often am I hearing? You know, we hear (laughs) hear about 250, you know, 300 pitches every year. um, And... They all, I don't know, I mean, I don't mean to punt, but they kind of, when you're hearing that many, I kind of They hear, all blur together. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's just that you end up touching, in any given day, you end up touching on a lot of politics, you know. I mean, I'm sorry, on a lot of subjects. Um, but something like The Good Wife, I don't know that I would have told you the day after I heard The Good Wife pitch that I just heard a political pitch. I, I thought that I heard... A pit, an incredible pitch about a strong female character and how in the world was she going to move forward and take care of her family. And I think that you know the, the foundation and the structure of that house was built so well that then Robert and Michelle got to take it into... into it, it became so many other things. Um, more than it was just you know just in the pitch, which I think happens probably with every great show. Um, what stuck out to you from the Madam Secretary pitch? Um... You know, I I don't I don't want to say that I uh, the Barbara came in talking about the stories that you could do and getting out of the White House, get out of D.C., going out into the field, as it were. And you know, she certainly talked about this character. She talked about this character and her family, um, and she told us a little bit of the secret of what her husband, what was in her husband's background. Um, that was great on the character front, but I think the stories themselves, a lot of which they've used in the show, um, you immediately thought, my God, that this is incredibly rich, fertile territory episodically for them to, for, for Barbara and her staff to, to go. So I think, though, and without getting into specifics, I think that what she was saying, a real Secretary of State goes through hourly, and then what that means for a dramatic, you know, for dramatic storytelling. I think we were salivating. Um, I'm not going to let any of you punt on this, and I'm going to start with you, Rosemary. Is there, um, is there an area of government? Is there an area of government or an area of politics right now that you think would make a terrific TV show that hasn't been tapped? I don't want to go first. You don't have to go first. Uh, I, uh, you, you answered with a census. Like, <laughs> I've developed like twenty Supreme Court shows. I don't know, and, and everybody tell and, and the writers always like, "Here's what you did wrong last year. You gotta, you're looking at it the wrong way. You gotta come at it this way, and you, it's got to be through the Solicitor General." And I'm like, "Yes, let's do it." And then I don't know. I somehow I know I, know, I can't. I, nobody's cracked it. I want to see a, a show about a comptroller because I don't know what it is. <laughs> Would you, and you would call that show I'm coming into Comptroller Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> Comptroller LA or something like that. LA. I'm listening. <laughs> Not for long. I think I think what fascinates me um, about like what's going on right now is just the role of the media in politics, and that I don't really you know how they choose, and how it sort of feeds the insanity. I think um, is something that I'd be really interested in right now because I think about it a lot, how much we play a part in what's happening. And that's almost something that would have to be, we were talking about this earlier, about whether things should be steeped in the real world or not. That's almost a show that would have to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, um, what, show, what shows do you watch in your, are there political shows today that you watch in your off time? Uh, no, no, no. Well, I have this 
you never... A blonde singer never goes to watch a blonde singer. And I, <laughs> and I always feel like having done it, and I, I, find, I find myself, that's probably why I don't watch it. I watch them and really appreciate them when I watch them. I know they're really good. Um, but I don't seek them out only because having worked on that show every day and having to do five political stories, I mean, it's, it's just, it was like eating your vegetables. So it's funny, I don't seek them out as much. Uh, but but I really I respect them because I know how hard they are to do. But it's, it's funny I don't I don't watch as many as I used to. Yeah, I mean I watch so like I said I watch the show the the CBS ones I just happen to have become a, a, a fan of um, and I watch Veep. I, I, I haven't missed a Veep. I love it. Rosemary, how about you? Well, well, you know, I watch all kinds of stuff, right? Because I'm you know more of a freelance and running around. But for me. Lately, I'm really stuck on like this is may seem not political, but to me, it's political. Is fear the Walking Dead and the Walking Dead because you know the stakes are like so high, but at the end of the day, it's not at all about you know it's not about zombies, not about those creatures. It's about how what are you going to do to survive and and what made you know the Good Wife and like Eli's journey and 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 even in the law firm like running these things like what made it interesting was like what people are willing to do under certain certain circumstances to survive to get ahead and you know the stakes on that particular show like Walking Dead they're so high and it's just this psychological journey and that's what that's sort of the real politics of life which is really fascinating to me to keep exploring over and over um Brian, how much pressure do you feel to serve both a Democrat and a GOP audience? And do you think that a partisan show, could, a very partisan show, could be a hit today? You look at something like Veep, for example, and it skewers Washington, but in a very apolitical way. You don't, you don't even remember whether she's a Republican or a Democrat and who she's fighting against. They're just all sort of like buffoonish. Yeah, I uh, gosh, I don't know. It hasn't. I mean, is it weird to say that it hasn't? come up because again if I'm around for the the pitch they're talking about character drama what the show is going to look like going forward and I mean even Madam Secretary I I, I don't know I guess I would say the ones that have come through our doors have been more uh, haven't set out to take some left or right side it's just been more about where can they mine drama from so it, I, I don't know may, maybe they evolve into something else but when they come in to pitch um, no that actually it oddly hasn't hasn't reared its head so I, I guess I don't I don't I don't feel the pressure because it hasn't really come up um, go ahead well I was thinking about another a, a couple that I did this show a couple episodes of a show called Outsiders which um, I was just, you know, last night, like, talking to Peter Tolan, and I was like, do you, is it odd to be doing a show that sort of feeds almost the Clyde Bundy, like, the sort of, I don't want to say the, you know, Donald Trump word, but, like, you know, like, sort of feeds that sort of thinking, and is it, is it odd? Because in a way, it's, 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 it is, and we sort of had a conversation about that because that's where like sometimes the politics, I mean, imagine people don't really want to get on a side of something because, so you focus on the story underneath the humanity of it versus like choosing a party because you want the biggest audience possible, but then also you want to draw people in. I mean, our, our job is I think always to draw people in and not push them away. So I think we're always, you know, not trying to be politically correct about it necessarily, just trying to get, affect the most people, if that makes sense. Well, Kevin, the West Wing, obviously, um, President Bartlett was a Democrat. And do you consider it a very partisan show because it was um, because he was Democrat, or do you see that um, do you see that it was more balanced because it was always showing both sides? Well, you know, I guess who are we kidding? It's you know, it's developed in Hollywood. They are mostly center left. I think everyone try, tries to go to the middle um, because I think you're right. You want you don't want to just alienate right off the bat half your audience. Um, but Aaron's, it's no secret Aaron's politics. He's, very, he's a liberal Democrat. But he, um, there are certain, certain areas that, that he was he's surprisingly conservative. But he, he really emphasized, the big thing we always did was, I, he goes, I need pro-con, I need pro-con. And I think it's kind of what I was getting back to earlier. He, he wants smart people on both sides arguing because that makes for better writing. So um, almost by default, it became, it, it, it became more of a center show. But there's make 
there's no doubt that the show, compared from the pilot, was was very liberal. But but I think people I know that in, when I did go up to North to cocktail parties at Thanksgiving, everyone loved the show. Every stripes. I'm from Northern California, very red county, um, and and they they loved it. It's, but it was. Different time, believe it or not, 16 years ago. Yeah, well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, yeah. would a show like that, do you think that show um, could exist today? I think it, I think so. It's, but like I said, the world's so much different now. We're, I feel like it's just more polarized. And then it seemed, coming off of Clinton's impeachment, it felt polarized, and now it's even, like I said, jump the shark. I'm just going to keep saying that. <laughs> um, have any of you had the opportunity to meet um, either the president or other high-ranking officials? Yeah, you go. Um, yes. Uh, met Clinton coming off Air Force One and presented him with VHS tapes. Do you guys remember those? <laughs> of, of the show. We, um, but it, that was what was... That, that show then, it was like 2000. The Democratic Convention was in L.A. So they, they would come to our West Wing, all, all the Democrats. So it was, it was kind of embarrassing. That's why I didn't want, I wanted to go first, because I didn't want to like, trump everybody. But that's just because the show was good. that. I mean, Rahm Emanuel, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, all these guys would just sit in your writer's room, and you, know, and you would ask them questions. And that, that part, yes, so yes. So what do you remember about meeting President Clinton? Um, Careful, Kevin. Um, you know, I, rem- I remember he had this blue blaze, this kind of like royal blue blaze, and he came off Air Force One, and so at the time he was probably fifty. I remember like how what, how striking he was, and you know he 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 was you know he was he knew the stage, you know he knew people were waiting there for a long time. He was always late, so we were standing there. But I remember like everyone came off, and like somebody, and then he came and he just kind of stood there in that silver hair, and it was pretty amazing to watch. I was like. Ah, you know, I was like looking at the Rosemary, how about you? Well, I just, I, it was unrelated to a show that I did, but, but with a group of um, like independent producers and, and directors and stuff going down to Washington sort of lobby. And that was like fascinating to sort of go around and meeting Barbara Boxer, like a bunch of people and just being in the system and talking about what we do and how important it was and sort of realizing that this is so silly, but you know, because my world is so important, you know, like, but then going down there and realizing they don't really necessarily have a clue what we do and they don't really have time to watch a lot of TV. So, you know, they may watch it because they have an interest in some political show, but it was just fascinating to me. I was like, wow, this is really the real world in a way. You know, what we do is so, it felt so small being around them. Yeah, for sure. Any political stories, fun ones? No, I gotta hang out with these two more. I don't know. I got, I got, I got, I got nobody. Sixteen years ago, you should have. <laughs> um, Brian, as you're listening to pitches from a show, uh, polit- uh, political shows in particular, do you worry that they're either too topical or in the moment to affect either syndication or international sales? I don't think about that. No, I, you know, I certainly, you know, if they're coming into me, they're coming in through a studio. Ninety-five percent of the time, and and the studio certainly would be thinking of that. And maybe if there were, if there were alarm bells, and uh, they wouldn't have brought it in. But no, I, I don't think about that. I'm just thinking about: is this a CBS show? That's really, you know, is this something I want to watch? Is this a CBS show? I, you know, I'm buying with kind of one one, one job, one one brain. Well, I'll go off topic a little bit because I imagine it would interest the audience. What is a, what what are the qualities of a CBS show that you look for? <laughs> <laughs> Mine failed on your network show. I'm, I'm, I'm still curious too. <laughs> well, we're all curious. I mean, there there isn't an answer, unfortunately. I mean, we're we're all searching for that constantly, and I think it's you know it's evolving, and it, it's it's unfortunately it's the same as it's I don't know why why do you watch the shows that you that you watch it's very hard to put into words that's why the jobs are hard you know the creating of the jobs are hard the directing of the jobs the 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 buying them um you know some of them sound incredible in the room and then they just quite weren't there on, on the page some of them I've certainly have you know I think we've all been around incredible pilots that then, oh, you know, by episode eight or twelve or something, are, are running out of steam. Certainly at CBS, I think we look for a show that, at least in in how I, I think I, I said building the house earlier, at least in how it's constructed, feels like it can go on for a long time. 
we're not looking to do shows that you know are I mean nobody's looking to do but some shows can burn kind of white hot and then oh they weren't really built to go the, the the distance and I think CBS has a great history and tradition of shows that that stand kind of the, the test of time um Kevin, a lot of people are finding The West Wing for the first time on Netflix. And um, uh, first, I want to when people realize that you um, were a writer on the show, are, are you are you finding new fans coming up to you? Uh, yeah, including my kids, who, <laughs> who when they were young and now in college and just out of college, started appreciating because their friends were impressed that I was on that. And I really noticed now because I'm ancient is that when I'm in the room, the new writers come up. And just want to hear West Wing stories and love the show and why they got it writing. So, but Netflix, absolutely. I had dinner with the cast and Aaron last night, and they were talking very just exactly about Netflix and how the show has had this resurgence, as, as a lot of shows have. Well, then let's break some news of this panel. Is there any possibility of a reboot or a movie or anything, a continuation of any sort? Um, we talked about that last night, and um, I'm ready to break this right now. No. Oh. no. <laughs> You know what? I take that back. There, who knows? I, I hope I hope Aaron gets that that question because uh, he gets that a lot. There was a, at some point I remember he was entertaining it because he likes he, he likes to hear that as anybody would. But uh, I don't know. He's got so much which so much going on, and I think he'd want his whole involvement. But maybe that was it had its time. You know. Well, let's put putting aside Aaron for a second. Um, what would a West? What would a new West Wing look like in Kevin Fall's mind? <laughs> Um, again, I keep talking about the, the politics t- today. Uh, I think that I, you know, what I honestly I don't. So many shows like House of Cards, for the times, took the right tact into doing a show about politics. The, the Good Wife too, taking what's going on in the world and synthesizing it through their show. Uh, Veep thought, okay, we're going to go and be satirical and hit this comedy sweet spot. I. I don't know. I don't know. It's a very idealistic, hopeful show at a time where I don't feel that. Um, and, and even though it was cynical then, I, I honestly don't know. So that's why I'm doing a baseball show about the first woman in baseball. <laughs> that sounds very hopeful, though. Go ahead, Rosemary. No, I was going to say, I think, I think something that The Good Wife did um, extraordinarily well, better than any other show, really, except I, there's one show I don't watch that maybe does it better, but um, is, is dealing with technology. Yeah. And um, really incorporating that into the story, and I think you know Robert and Michelle King are, are endlessly fascinated with different types of technology and how we communicate and how that sort of feeds, you know, whether it's Peter's campaign or you know getting hacked, you know, the law firm getting hacked, or you know, doing a story, a case about you know a young woman in the army or the air force that's you know operating a drone. And, you know, killing the wrong person, and then is she held responsible? Like, just just the everyday, right down to our phones, you know, and Twitter and stuff like that. And I think they did an amazing job of not making that dull, which is really easy to do. I know as a viewer of The Good Wife and a big fan that I would occasionally have to watch with my phone or laptop in front of me and start Googling stuff as as it was coming on. Was there ever a script that you got that you were like, okay, I need to do a little research now? No, well, I mean, what I said before, like, I, you know, yes, a great good wife script was me on Googling immediately. One of the hardest ones that we did was, you know, those episodes that go in between, like, Christmas hiatus? Like, so you do this, you get the script, like, right before Christmas, right? And then you basically prep it before, and then you're supposed to shoot it after Christmas. So your whole holiday is screwed, because you're just thinking about the show. You can't even be present with your family. But beyond that, it was, it was about um, Cody Wilson. I mean, that was like the character um, who is this guy who you know, invented the Liberator, which was his 3D gun. And so we had to recreate all these 3D guns and use them. And so our prep was running around trying to find the printers. And people actually had to work over hiatus because they take so long to print. And we had to modify it because we couldn't, you know, 
the standards and whatever. We couldn't do exactly the same gun, but we, I needed it to look like the gun. We, I needed all those pictures I saw. I needed it to look like that. I wanted the guy who created it to look like Cody Wilson. I wanted to cast someone like that. So that's where like you're trying to sort of mimic reality as much as possible because it's such a powerful story and you want people to get it. So, you know, God bless the art department, man. I mean, they literally had to like be working over hiatus to get enough guns and props because then, you know, I had to shoot like the making of the gun and do all the inserts and sort of do that while we were doing the episode. And I just remember that was one of the hardest ones because we all worked to get it right. And fascinating enough, because the other thing that evolved over the show was Robert became sort of obsessed with inserts. And like I remember being exceedingly proud of the fact that we pulled off that particular show and there was like no inserts to shoot. I was like, that was like a miracle with Christmas in the middle. <laughs> I do want to talk about um, some of the actors and casting for a second. Um, and you all are a little removed from this, but it'd be interesting to get your POV. What do you think in an actor drives him or her to say, you know what, I'm going to play the president of the United States on television? Oh. <laughs> Breaking news, actors have egos. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, what, it's, the, it's, it's one of those jobs. That, first of all, it's, it's not necessarily a cop or lawyer, which they, there's a lot of those, and only a few shows get it, get it right. Um, but I think it's because what it's character with with the highest with highest stakes. It's it's a glamorous uh, role. So it's there's no shortage of actors who come forward for those. <laughs> um, I'd love to take some audience questions. If you guys right in the front row here. Uh, yeah, uh, you guys didn't mention the newsroom. Uh, I figured that, uh, Sorkin and uh, that connection mm-hmm. I was just interested in the fact that you guys talked about being apolitical and how hitting that sweet spot of everyone. Uh, the newsroom is a very polarizing show, uh, and I think it's because, at least in my mind, Sorkin came from this idea of, I'm going to show the, the super right wing how ridiculous they are because I'm going to write from the vantage point of a moderate right. And, and But then also he took opinions from all over the map that, you know, and made them the opinion, the subjective opinion of the show. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question is, did you guys watch or like it or, or not like it? And two... Um, do you think it didn't really work long term because he decided to take a specific viewpoint? The show did on a lot of these issues. Is that for me? I, well, mainly for you. <laughs> sure, but I'd love to hear all three if you guys watched it or didn't. You know? uh, well, it's a little tricky for me because because Aaron's a friend, and here's here's the best way to put it. Because he talked to a few of us about going to work on that show, um, and I just. I, I couldn't anyway because I had a, a deal somewhere else. But um, to me, the best version of Newsroom was Sports Night, where I think if you had 22 minutes as opposed to 58 minutes, oh. uh, it forced him to distill what it was. It never, he got into some social issues on, on that show, but there wasn't the pressure to come up, well, come up with it. And I think this sometimes felt like a square peg in a round hole, like he was trying to get... It didn't mm. help sometimes that the show was... The, the, whatever the event was, was a year ago. Um, and we talked about that. But Aaron, like... Although that's not my favorite show of his, I can sit and watch anything that he does just because it's like you, you drop in and watch a jazz musician. You may not know the song, but you're admiring the musician. So that's what I... You, 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 you very much answered your own question. You, 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 you kind of nailed it. That's... That's a great way of putting it, but, um, well, I wish I could, and I use fail in quotes, because yeah. I know it was, it was you know, critically a, a polarized, well, not so much polarizing, I think it didn't get the reviews that these other shows did. Um, it's still pretty good television, right? Yeah. Either of, the rest of you, either of you fans of the show or watch the show? Israel? Yeah. Uh, I've, I, I watched a few episodes, but I agree. I mean, I could sort of just his dialogue, just what he's doing with the characters, I could kind of come and go and, and enjoy it. I don't think that I was aware of kind of points of view or anything like that. It was just a good Aaron Sorkin show that I would, you know, pop in and watch. Other questions? Yes, in the third, fourth frame. Um, my favorite political show is a show from Denmark. Excuse my Danish pronunciation if anyone speaks Danish, but Borgen, have any of y'all seen that show? Oh, no. Wow. How do I see it's it? It's not on Netflix. I think it's <laughs> on iTunes. Oh, on iTunes. And what's, what's the name of it again? B-O-R-G-N-Borgen. Okay. I've heard it's great. 
You're the second person to recommend that to me in two days, so yeah. I'm definitely going to check. I'm definitely going to check that out. What What makes it? What's special about it? Oh, great. Okay, I'll check it out and rip it off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you, said, I, you said what kind of political show would you, would you do, and uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll bring, Probably Borgen. We'll do it. We'll go to CBS. Let's go. Exactly. There we go. Yes. We have a, it's coming next. It's next season. It's all coming together in this panel. Um, who else has some questions? Um, in the ba- uh, very back. I know what I wanted to happen. Um, I, I, you know, I think that Alicia had gone on a journey where from the beginning, you know, from that Lynn moment, like she, she was just thrown into a world that was not what she planned her life to be at all. And so her whole journey, I mean, her moral character and how she navigated, you know, right and wrong and in her being the good wife, you know, it was all about that. Like, what is good? And I could relate to that, like, especially as a female, it's like, you know, being the good girl and how are you the good girl and how are you always liked? And the thing that wreaks havoc with us and, you know, I'm not that it doesn't with you guys, but I think we're particularly prone to that sort of you know, concern. And I think for her to get, you know, by the end, I feel like, honestly, I felt like it needed a couple more episodes to sort of build the seed for that, that ending when she throws Diane under the bus. But besides that, just her, the idea that she became Peter, that she was willing to do whatever she had to do. And she was just going to go out in the world and be okay and be whatever she wanted to be was a great way to, for her character to sort of end. You know, I really love that a lot. Brian, can you give us a little bit of an inkling of a preview of what we can expect on the spinoff? Oh, no, I don't know anything about the spinoff. I'm sorry. Oh. I don't. They, they, it's, it's, it's different departments. Fair enough. Sorry. Fair enough. Sorry. Um, any other questions? Yes. Oh, fair enough. Uh, did I see a question in the back? Yes. Uh, the woman in the back, I'm sorry. I can't yeah. close your face. Um, I was wondering if you've ever had any fallout with, like, the government or any response, like, if you've ever gotten in trouble for something that you've done? <laughs> no, I can't think of any trouble. No, I, 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 I don't know the particulars of this, but I do know that we're in an election year, brain dead's coming out. I think there are, there might be equal time. I, 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 I you know, I, uh, I, there was a pitch a few years ago, a year and a half ago or something that was going to be about Hillary Clinton, specifically, almost like a docudrama. And I think that NBC may have bought it and we heard that pitch and then you get into the equal time part and you realize, oh, we can't do this. But again, like when we're sitting in these rooms, we're going, well, that sounds dramatic. That's an interesting game. Like, you know, you're, you're on board and then, yeah, a different part of your company says, guys, there are, there are rules and, and laws. So I, 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 again, heard that pitch and then saw that NBC tried to do it and then, and then weren't, they weren't able to. Not for, not for me. I didn't ever have an issue. Any other questions? Yes, in the fourth row here. I'm a huge Good Boy fan, and I just want to know, did you anticipate the huge fallout when you killed Will Gardner off in the middle of the season? Did you know the world was going to go crazy? Oh, I didn't kill him off, first of all. <laughs> yeah, let's be clear. <laughs> I, I did not kill him off. Um, but I can tell you that we all obviously knew it was happening, and it was like six months at least, and I think the most extraordinary experience to me was was to show how much people cared about the show, was that the crew, like, none of us, I didn't even tell my husband for six months. Like, I just, we all did not tell anyone. And I think that, yeah, I think that really led to, like, the surprise and the impact that it had, which I I just, I was really, I don't know, I thought I was grateful to be a part of it. We get the surprises ruined for us a lot in my job because the head of casting will say, do we have anything for so-and-so actor? And you're like, but they're on The Walking Dead. Oh. Stop. Stop sending me these emails. Uh, Who else has some questions? Yes, over here. So in film and television, like with the rest of the country, not everyone is political, not everyone keeps up with current events. 
Mr. Crew of varying political engagement levels, and has that impacted the execution of the show? Well, I, I mean, when I'm going to do something, what I do is I take some of my research and I will, you know, get copies made or I'll email stuff to people depending if I think they're, depending on what kind of sort of actors they are. And sometimes with the, not too much, but maybe the DP, but, you know, everyone's so busy, I'm not going to burden them with stuff. But certainly the actors, if I think they're the type of person that actually is going to read an email that I send, then I'll email it. And if I think they're the kind of person who's really not going to pay attention until they're actually on set, then I'll, like, hand them a copy of something. And I'll, even if I think they're not going to read, then I'll just, like, explain it to them in a couple sentences. Because, you know, I don't... Everyone in television is working so hard. And so I don't expect people to do my job. I'm there to help them do their job. So whenever I can do that, I always, you know, let them know the complexities. Because we're trying, again, to build moment to moment. You know, like, find, dig out the little moments and what makes this believable, what not, and what their reactions to be. And quite honestly, it's like 22 episodes is, is really exhausting. And so, you know, yeah, I just, I like to sort of feed them what they need so they know. And, and, and even then, if they miss it, or, I mean, anyone that's shot in a courtroom, I mean, it is just agony. It is. It's, it's just pure agony. Why is it agony? It's agony because you usually have too too many pages to shoot, and then the most ag whatever the word would be extreme part of it is that you're block shooting, and block shooting means that you're shooting all the scenes looking one way, like and usually you're looking towards you know the gallery, so you're looking where your main cast is. So you leave all the day players, like the judge and the witnesses, you leave them for later in the day, right? So the poor judge, I mean, is always last. So, you know, you're getting to the judge at like, you know, 11 hours in or 10 hours in or something. And you're doing the same scenes and you're jumping around. You know, you're doing scene two, scene eight, scene six, whatever. You know, you're just jumping around. So... I, you know, it makes my head hurt. I always, like, rely on the script supervisor, too, to make sure I get... And I have plans, because every scene you, you're sort of shooting differently. But, you know, it's it's just, a, like, a lot of math. I'm not good at math. So it's a lot of, um, you know, keeping track. And then you have to really... Because of that, it makes it even more important that, like, I keep my eye on the scenes and the story so that those little moments, people can understand what that reaction is about or what's really being said so they can react properly to it. Because otherwise, you know, they're exhausted. And you can't, you know, it's like just, they'll just have their standard fallback looks or something. You know what I mean? You guys did the best job I ever saw of the courtroom. Oh, because and Franklin Batch, which, of course, is one of the great law dramas of all time. <laughs> but I know how hard it is to shoot, like, in a courtroom. But there was, you, what you did wasn't, it was the writing, also the editing and directing, of course, is a lot of the exposition that you'd normally hear in the, tr- in the courtroom, mm-hmm. they would do the scenes leading up to it, and then you'd cut right into the middle of, mm-hmm. of, 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 the, of the courtroom, yeah. but you're halfway into the trial, <laughs> but all the exposition was done before you got in the courtroom. Yeah. So when you're there, you're there, you shoot it smart, and then you get in there, so you don't stay in there too long, although I know when you're shooting there, you probably feel oh, like yeah. you're there. But I don't know, I just thought it was, I was always like, I would go into the room and go, watch how these guys do it. They're just amazing. So It's great writing. I think we have time for one more question. If not, then I want to um, each of you to tell me what you work. Tell us what you're working on next, um, Brian. I want to start with you because you mentioned you have um, Brain Dead coming on to CBS this summer. Yes, Monday night at, at ten, nine central. <laughs> um, you know, I kind of said it earlier, and and, and just just yeah, too, I, I'm I'm really ex- excited about it. Um, just because you know when the Kings come in to pitch you a television show. They aren't just coming in to do a show for the sake of doing a show. They're coming in because they have something to say, and they're going to do it in a smart, entertaining way. And you know, I've seen the first four, and it, it's it, they're 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 great. So I'm excited. Great, and Kevin, tell us about pitch. Doing pitch, um, also coming up, pulled up from uh, from mid season to the fall, uh, working on that, trying to get. Rosemary, I know that Paris Barkley and I have talked about getting you direct in that oh, episode. But nice. I didn't so know that. Busy. Thank you. Uh, uh, tell yeah. us what. No, tell, uh, give us a quick um, 15 second synopsis of pitch. Okay, we'll talk. <laughs> this is huge. <laughs> I know. No, she's fabulous. So anyway, so give us a quick 15 second synopsis of the show. It's about the first female. It was screened here actually yesterday. It's the first female pitcher in the major leagues, oh, done in conjunction with Major League Baseball. So it looks, we get to use all the uniforms, all the teams. 
but you don't have to be a baseball fan to enjoy it. So Dan Fogelman uh, co-wrote it. Paris directed the pilot. It's it's great, and I, and I say it's great only because I didn't write it. It really is. It's well written by somebody else. Nice. And Rosemary, apparently you're going to be directing an episode of Pitch, and what else are you working on? <laughs> oh, I'd love to do Pitch. Well, Jack McGee is in it too. Yes, and yes, I love fun. Jack McGee. He was on Rescue Me, but also he's in a movie that I have coming out in the fall called Silver Skies. Um, but um, besides that, uh, doing The Walking Dead and uh, episode of Sneaky Pete coming up, so be fun. Great. Well, let's have a round of applause for our panelists. They're terrific. Really appreciate their time. Thank you, Henry. Thank you all so much. Now leaving Nerdist.com.